the Independence Exeter City podcast. This is Grecian Talk with Ollie Heptinstall, Paul Martin, and Paul Sussex. Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Grecian Talk, and uh, well, yes, it's me, Paul, in the chair again. Ollie's decided to take his place amongst the panel this week for his debut on there, and he'll be answering the questions that need answering after Exeter continue their winless run this week with a draw at Dagenham and a, and a defeat at Cheltenham. Alongside him on the panel this week will be Paul Sussex and Mark Briggs, who will give their opinions on what's gone wrong and whether changes need to be made at Exeter City. We've also got an interview with Exeter City youngster Jamie Reid, who's currently on loan at Dorchester and is preparing to play Plymouth Argyle in the FA Cup next weekend, as well as chat about new contracts with Danny Coles and Jordan Moore-Taylor, uh, Ray Kelvin, the Ted Baker owner, uh, mixing around the club and whether he might invest some money, a League 2 roundup and a look ahead to Exeter's FA Cup game next weekend at Bury. So that's all coming up on this week's Grecian Talk. Okay, so we'll start this week... With the interview, the big interview with City youngster Jamie Reid, who's playing at Dorchester, and uh, here it is. Grecian Talk. We have with us uh, Jamie Reid, um, one of our young players, currently on loan at Dorchester Town. Um, that's excitement for him because next week, um, televised game against Plymouth Argyle. He had some bad news at the beginning of the week saying um, he wouldn't be allowed to play because his loan was up. But we've had some good news this evening that um, his loan has been extended by a few days, allowing him to play. Um, welcome, Jamie. Hi, uh, hi, are you right? Yeah. First of all, I want to ask you about um, that goal against Eastleigh. Uh, 90th minute, it was nil-nil. That was a fantastic free kick. Ryan Harley-esque, I think some of us would describe it as, straight in the back of the net from about 25 yards. Is that one of your specialities? <laughs> no, um, no, mate. Literally, I was out at half-time. I, I don't know why. I was just practising them and... The opportunity came in the, later on in the game, and I just fancied myself for it. And I was just like, "Boy, can you let me take it?" And luckily it did. And luckily enough, it went in. Because it was a critical moment. What ninetieth minute, ninety-first minute? Yeah, ninety-first minute. It was good because I didn't start because, like, obviously in my previous performances, and it it was good to get back on and um, show the gaffer that what I could really do. And obviously, I won in the game. All right. Okay. Um, Mark's got a few questions. I'll hand over to Mark. Yeah, okay. Uh, Jamie, I was just going to ask, uh, firstly, uh, how is it all going down there? I know there's a couple of Exeter boys down there as well. How are you finding it? Yeah, obviously, I went on loan and started a team with Jake Wannell. So, obviously, it was more comfortable because I was with another Exeter City. No knee. Um, it went well the first few months, and obviously, like my performances have kind of like not been up to scratch. But Jake Gosling has come along. Uh, it's, it's gone well because obviously, me and Gosling have linked up well previous in the under 18s, and um, now I feel much more comfortable with him on the wing, uh, looking for me and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's been going well. Don't just say really. And uh, when the FA Cup draw was made, of course. Um, where, who who were you with and where when when you heard the news that you were playing Plymouth Argyle and eventually it's going to be broadcast on TV? Yeah, I was actually at uh, mine with uh, Gozzi, the other lad that's on the end of Torchester. I was with him. We were playing FIFA 
we were waiting for the draw to be drawn at half one, and we obviously tuned in, and like, we was obviously, we, we both wanted a big draw, with like Preston or Sheffield United, one of them big teams, but obviously Plymouth, uh, like obviously playing for Exeter, our neighbours, they couldn't ask for anything more really, it's, it's, it's good. And uh, of course there's going to be expecting a big crowd out there, do you think this is going to be one of the biggest crowds you've ever played in front of? Yeah, possibly, because obviously uh, playing for Exeter, coming up for the youth, we got to play against the uni, and that was, that's obviously a big turnout, like maybe two and a half, three thousand. Um, it will be a bigger, a bigger crowd, um, maybe five, six, because for obviously being a bigger away group, so maybe, yeah, it could be one of the biggest games, biggest crowds I've ever played in, which is obviously a good experience at a young age, like me and Gosley are playing there, so it should be quite good. And of course, um, it's more game time, um, as that's the whole point of you going on uh, this, yeah. this deal. Um, yeah, definitely. How important, do you think, how important do you think the game time is that you're getting um, away from Exeter City? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Much. Uh, it's good to get game time because obviously, uh, if you're at Exeter and not on loan, then you're just training five times a week and you're not going to get that match fitness so it's obviously it's an absolute pleasure to be, be on loan and be playing 90 minutes a week like, I can ask for anything more really and obviously it's at quite high standard as well Blue South Conference I, I didn't think I would be doing that I thought I would have been going on loan to maybe a lower league but it's been it's been great for me. it's been good experience it's been making me stronger as a as a player as a striker holding up and stuff like that and to have like other players from the club as well there it's been it's been terrific and you mentioned it briefly um, how, do you feel this is at your the right level uh, you think you've been pushed enough yeah definitely I mean it's it's sort of like young players that have been released from um, top clubs that have gone down to that level and obviously just getting game time it's, it's not a bad standard. It's, it's, it's really good. It's really competitive. It's like um, learn a lot more than what I would have not playing playing in that team. I feel feel sharp. I feel much sharper than I was at the start of the season. So it's been really good, and I'm grateful for Exeter and Dorchester for um, helping me with that. Because you must have been very disappointed when um, they said that your loan was up and you weren't going to play on Sunday, and though they oh, get the news man. tonight. Yeah, you know, so I was so good because it wasn't just like it, it finished a week before, it finished the day before and like it, it had been um, supposed to be playing on the Saturday and then, and then I could play and but then it got changed to play on the Sunday because it was obviously on ESPN. I was just so gutted. It was unbelievable. And then when I got called into the manager's office today, I was just, I was just so loving. I was so, so glad. Right, excellent. I, I kind of got the impression from Twitter that you were quite down about it, and then tonight you were quite up about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely, mate, definitely. Because you know I me, mean? I've been in all the FA Cup qualifiers before that. I've even scored a couple. Uh, it's just like it's a bit of a disappointment not being in there. But even if I wasn't there, I'd still, I'd still be going back to Exeter, and then I'd be trying, trying there. Do you know what I mean? But um, even it's, it's a great opportunity to be even be involved in the team whether I'm playing or not it's still a great great experience to be on TV and in the FA Cup first round 
Right, okay, that's, that's great. Right, I'm, I'm sure most Exeter fans will be tuning into ESPN next week. It's 4.30 kickoff, I think. So we'll be uh, looking at, especially for you and Jake. So best of luck. Make sure you score a goal. I'm looking forward to your interview on ESPN after the game with some discussion about your winning goal in the 94th minute to knock out the Thank you. Okay, so thank you to Mark for carrying out the interview and thank you to Jamie Reid for his time there and we wish him good luck in knocking Argyle out the cup next weekend. And uh, we'll move on now to the game on, that happened on Tuesday night uh, in the east end of London, Dagenham 1, Exeter 1. And, uh, well, there, it was a point to temporarily stop the rot, but should we have got more against the struggling side, Hans? Uh, very much so. I think um, that game showed our lack of confidence with uh, the results of many losing games other than Barnet. Um, we had the opportunities. I think Curiton had a good opportunity but missed it. But there again, they had that penalty before half-time. Um, if they'd put that in at 2-0, I think that probably could have killed us off. But that gave us um, uh, reasons to fight back into the second half. Point away at Dagenham. Um, I think I'd, I'd take that um, before the game. So not too unhappy. Yeah, and another goal on Tuesday night for Jamie Curiton, who's reached double figures now. And Mark, do you think he'll beat his total of 17 league goals from two seasons ago? Well, I think he needs to if we uh, we're going to have a, uh, any chance of uh, getting in the top half of the table this season. Uh, now that he's scored again, um, I was hoping for a better performance from him on Saturday, but um, I was yeah a bit a bit gutted with a point really because the place that Dagenham are is is not brilliant. Um, and we need to be beating the teams in the bottom half of the table as we're not beating the teams higher up. Yeah, and, uh, well, the point on Tuesday uh, meant that at that point, and, well, probably still now as well, the away form has been better than the home form so far. Ollie, any ideas why that might be? I think we've struggled, really. Maybe the crowd have um, added pressure on the side, which maybe they don't like. Um, away from home, perhaps it's, you know, slightly off pressure, you know, chance to play their football more without having the restrictions of the crowd you know telling them what to do really and uh it's a tough one really i'm not really sure we need to improve at home that's for sure and uh as our away form is starting to decline <clears throat> yeah and uh well i noticed in the first half yesterday that they seem to be playing with more freedom passing the ball around more freely than they would do at home which takes us on to yesterday and a disappointing 3-0 defeat away at cheltenham Okay, so I claimed still with a better side yesterday, but were let down by, well, poor defending and poor finishing in the final third. Would you agree with that one, Hans? Absolutely. We knew what was going to happen within a couple of minutes of the start when they had a corner, and then number 15, um, the captain Bennett, um, had a free header and put the ball against Arthur. I mean, that was just so frustrating that you could see there that um, nothing on the training ground had been learnt, and we were just, you know, still giving them free headers. You know, there's no point in being the better team. In fact, at the end of the day, you can't score more goals for them. That's the end, you know, the aim of the game. And we're not doing that at the moment. I think that's one goal in six games or seven games. It's, that is, um, is not good enough. Yeah, results matter more than performances, definitely, especially when extra in a rot like they are at the moment. And uh, another two goals and see different free headers at corners and the defending from set pieces is getting embarrassing now. And how do we think we stop this particular rot, Ollie? Well, it's, it is worrying, Paul, awful really from corners. You know, it's worrying really because we've got, uh, Rob Edwards as assistant manager who was a really good defender in his time, but I don't know what he's teaching the side, um, on the training ground. Um, as for solutions, um, you know, we talked about it 
I think a couple of weeks ago, perhaps changing to three, uh, uh, five, three, two slash three, five, two, uh, three central defenders, which may improve things uh, somewhat at the back. Um, but I don't know what they're teaching them on the training ground. That that might be the the main thing. Yeah, some hard work needs to be put in this week, I think, to really knuckle down and stop conceding silly goals, really. And uh, the other thing is, there doesn't really seem to be a plan B for Exeter at the moment. We seem to be quite easy to play against. And Mark, do you think we need to dip into the loan market for something like a big front man or a tricky winger to add some variety to the play? Well, before I get onto that, I just firstly would like to say that uh, in the interview with Jamie Reid, he pointed out that Tiz had been working on uh, defending the headers at the back post. So I thought... Um, that we'd be dealing with them, uh, especially after he said that. Um, but m- talking about uh, new players, uh, I think ideally we need a big striker uh, to get the ball to Curitin. Uh, we seem to there's a lack of chances created for him at the moment. Uh, I think we generally need more physical players in the middle, um, as Oakley and Sirks, uh that can't seem to deal with these physical players, and definitely a left winger uh, who has pace and the composure to deliver good balls into the box. Because I think. Aaron Davis has got the composure to get the ball in the box, and Elliot Freer has got the pace. But um, the other, t- they seem to be missing the opposites. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. And uh, someone who did make an impact off the bench yesterday was Alan Gow, but uh, he didn't start the game. Hence, there is an argument that if you're fit enough to be on the bench and you're fit enough to start, do you think he should have started the game or at least come on when Aaron Davis got injured in the first half? Absolutely, he should have started. If he can only do um, 45 minutes, perhaps the first 45 minutes is the critical one, um, get him on. Um, he created a lot of chances. It was frustrating that perhaps some of the times he should have passed um, instead of actually um, shooting. But there was a couple of times where um, he was quite close. It just whizzed by the uh, uprights. Um, it was it was hugely different. Um, their goalkeeper had to uh, earn his keep yesterday. He was man of the match, um, rightly so, with the uh, amount of good work that he did. But he did he did test them um, more so than perhaps anybody else did. He was tricky. He was difficult, and he did things there. Um, there's um, a cross on the byline that um, no other player would have got that ball across. Uh, he was excellent, and we need to start off. We need to get that first goal. Um, instead of having to uh, end up chasing the game. So if we can take the lead, I think um, you know the games will pan out a lot differently. Yeah, it was too late really when he was brought on yesterday. The damage had already been done. And uh, the man who was in his place in the Gal role in the first half was Jimmy <laughs> Keohane. And I thought he did well in the first half, but he let himself down when he was in good positions a couple of times in the second half. What did you make of his overall performance, Ollie? Yeah, I think I'd agree with you there, Paul. Um, excellent in the first half, I thought. He was... You know, filling in for Alan Gale really well and had a, a good effort, wasn't it, on the Football League show? A, a good, really good effort, well saved by uh, their keeper. But in the second half, um, not quite as good, I don't think. Alan Gale was, you know, creating all the chances really towards the end, and uh, it fell to Keohane on a couple of occasions. And he he was rather wasteful in front of goal. And uh, well, when you're struggling to get goals, that you can't be afford to be wasteful, can you? No, and uh, I think the one that summed it up really was the one from the edge of the box that went out the ground over the stand that we were all sat in yesterday. Uh, summed up a disappointing day, and another person who had a, a below-average performance, I think, was Matt Oakley yesterday, and uh, should he be replaced in the team, Hans? I was very disappointed. He was one of my um, star signings of the season. I was really looking forward to um, him coming in and doing well. He did well for us um, this time last year when he came in on loan until uh, he had to leave because of injury. I think he still is a key player, but I think the the midfield makeup is not quite right um, to make sure that he 
can do what he's really good at but there was too many times yesterday I felt that he gave away the ball or just didn't make the right decision in taking the game forward so at the moment I think perhaps Matt Oakley is one of the ones that uh, should be dropped Yeah and uh, Tommy Doherty was on the bench yesterday I think he's had more of an impact from the games that I've seen anyway than Oakley this year and uh, another poor performance yesterday I I think from uh, Danny Coles at the back but he's been rewarded with a new contract this week, along with Jordan Moore-Taylor. And, uh, Mark, what do you make of that decision? Ah, uh, yes, yeah, it's always promising to see uh, the uh, your captain especially signing a new contract. shows their loyalty to the club. And also the same with the young players like Jordan Moore-Taylor. Um, it's uh, good to see uh, yeah, players having the loyalty to the club. Um, and I think it's also give, it gives the fans some confidence in the team. Uh, but, again, it's... It's got to be on the pitch, really. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, the results haven't been shown recently, and that's um, the thing that matters, really. You had some uh, opinions yesterday on Danny Cole's new contract, and they differed slightly to that view, I think. Yeah, I've been I've been disappointed with Cole's this season. Um, you know, it wasn't too bad last season. I don't think of the back, but um, you know, since he's returned from his injury, he hasn't hasn't been quite as good. And uh, yeah, he was giving the ball away so often yesterday. Um, so. You know, a new long-term contract. Does he deserve it? No, in my opinion. And I think Tisdale needs to start um, getting the players to, you know, earn their contracts rather than just handing them out. Yeah, and uh, Hans, any more to add on that? Um, I, th- I think it's good that um, Danny has. I think he's a good captain. Um, though perhaps he needs to be a bit more vociferous. I think he needs to find a relationship with uh, Arta Kryzak. I think there are occasions where people weren't quite sure what it was that they're doing. You know, these free headers, somebody should be taking charge of that. And I think maybe Danny needs to tell Arthur, you know, you've got a better view of what you're doing. Organise that defence, organise us how you want. And, and Danny's got to take part of that responsibility to make sure that, you know, Big Kev is in the right place, Pat Baldwin, if he's playing, or Scott Bennett is in the right place, you know, and, and, and make sure that those two people are linking together and uh, organising that defence better. And I didn't see enough evidence of that in the first half yesterday. Yeah, and some strong leadership required to get Exeter out of this mess that they're currently in. And, uh, yeah, disappointing performance yesterday, but well done to the 900 or so Grecians fans who made the journey to Cheltenham. And there was a decent atmosphere in the away end, but a disappointing result in the end of it. And uh, it's a result that has led to some more discussion about the future of Paul Tisdale, which we'll move on to now. And, uh, Ollie, I saw a stat yesterday evening, not sure if it's true, but the stat said that Exeter have won 16 out of their last 61 league games. So has it come to the point now where we should be seriously considering his future? And would any other manager have been sacked by now? Well, it's worrying, isn't it? 16 wins in uh, 61 games. Um, probably all managers who'd have that record probably would be gone by now. Uh, Tisdale's different, of course. You know, the brilliant, what was it, five seasons we've had under him as manager. But last season and this season haven't been as good. And, you know, we are starting to struggle in League 2 now. I think we do have to start considering Tisdale's future. Um, because, you know, if this, if this bad run continues, we could find ourselves down in the uh, bottom half of the table. Yeah, and... Uh... Mark, we'll move on to you now. Where do you stand on this? Do we need to give him more time? Because do we need to be patient rather because of what we have achieved under him already? Or is now the time to say thanks, but it's time to get rid? Um, yeah, well, I mean, we discussed this last week, um, and I'm going towards what Hans said now. Um, he said he was sort of sitting on the fence on, on this one. Uh, I think I'm probably going a bit further than that. I think I'm getting really worried about it now. Uh, the last time I tasted success was at home to Wickham uh, in September and all the home supporters will be gutted with the fact 
that that was our last home win and the last home goal to cheer against was against Bristol Rovers. So I think for those paying fans that go home, I think they'll be the ones that are most frustrated. But yeah, I think um, we've got to forget about the past now and think about the now, uh, the here and now. And I think it's time to say that we need to start getting the results or I think you're going to be gone. Yeah, there's only so much room that can be given for sentiment and past achievements, I think. And uh, Hans, if he were to go, who do you think are some realistic candidates to replace him? And and in your opinion, would any of them do better than Tisdale at the moment? I think the obvious candidate has always been Rob Edwards. Now, what I'm becoming less convinced about is whether the problems that we're currently um, suffering are part of the um, ethos through all the management of the um, club. So it's whether we go for Rob Edwards or whether we actually look uh, outside. Um, There's plenty of sacked managers available, but they've all been sacked for poor performances for their club, so maybe not um, the ideal candidates. We might need to look uh, perhaps at another young, fresh manager with good ideas, but I think we've got an ethos as a trust club, and we clearly need someone come in that understands that ethos that is keen on youth development and has a vision for the club I don't think we just want a manager just to deal with the next couple of months it's got to be somebody who's um, got better abilities uh, wider management skills than that it's interesting the XWeb did are uh, currently doing a poll um, last year when we, um, they did it 12 months ago it was 10 to 1 in favour of keeping tis. At the moment, that poll is running evens as to whether people want him to stay, or whether they've got the confidence in him, or um, they don't have the confidence. That's quite a huge change in 12 months. Yeah, and I've got it up in front of me now. 42 people saying that they do still have confidence, and 46 saying they're not. So opinion really is split amongst Grecian's fans, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one develops, and if the, uh, well, if the winless run continues, and there's got to be a time, I think, to say goodbye to Paul Tisdale, but they'll prob- I'd be surprised to see that happen any time particularly soon because he does I think have quite a comfortable position at the moment with the club but uh, there may also be changes higher up in the club with uh, the name of Ray Kelvin being bandied about and uh, he looked to be very comfortable with the players in some interviews on Tuesday I haven't seen them but apparently they're quite uncomfortable viewing for some fans but uh, Hans do you know anything about him and whether he's likely to invest in the club? Um, I think the question might be, has he already invested in the club? There's um, some interesting discussions were going on earlier this year, particularly after um, Taggy, Tisdale and Steve Perriman went to his wedding. There was um, some mystery backers going on at, um, towards the end of last season in terms of who was paying for loan players. We know all about Follett Stock and um, Jamie Curriton. But was Ray Kelvin one of the people that uh, also got involved with um, providing financial support to the club? There was um, quite a lot of discussion earlier this year about whether he was about to invest in the club. and Nothing seems to have uh, happened that way. And I know that he is uh, quite wealthy. His company is uh, worth an awful lot of money. Um, the question is, is why would he want to invest in Exeter City? He's very much a good friend of Paul Tisdale. But why take that investment into um, trying to either invest in the club or own it? And I think that's a question that would have to be asked, you know, the why would he want to? Yeah, the uh, the motivation's got to be there and the reasons have got to be right if there's going to be a big money investment. And perhaps his friendship with Tisdale explains maybe Tisdale gets mates rates on some of his snappy match day outfits. But uh, <laughs> Ollie, do you think his uh, money would be good for the club or should we be wary of famous big money investors after the Yuri Gela fiasco a decade ago? 
Yeah, I think you should always be wary of a, you know, when an investor comes in. But I think the the difference with Ray Kelvin is he's not like a, you know, one of these Middle Eastern consortiums, is he? We know who he is. He's uh, the owner of Ted Baker. And um, I think on the 2010 Forbes rich list, I think he was um, stated to be worth £83 million. And that's probably increased now. So we know he's got, you know, plenty of money. And uh, I think, yeah, you should always be wary. But at the same time, too wary and uh, I think if put in a serious bid for the club I think it should be considered but another question I'd ask perhaps uh, Hans would know this is you know if, a, if an offer was made to the trust um, a takeover offer who would who would be the one who makes that decision? The board of society would have to make a decision about bringing that to their members um, at what point they'll do due diligence and uh, the like um, I'm not sure, but it, have to, it would have to go to the members to sort of say, yes, we uh, give up um, trust ownership. Um, I don't know what the feasibility of a partnership um, between trust and uh, a big money investor would be and how that would work. One of the problems that the trust has got is it can't put in um, a lot of money. You know, at the moment, we might want to buy a new player and spend a lot of money on a new player. Uh, we're not in a position to do that. Uh, the trust needs to get its commercial arm up and running so that perhaps it does have more money to invest on the playing side. Though The financial fair play rules will kick in on that. And again, you know, if we have a big money investor, what happens with um, those rules as to how that money can be used? Yeah, it would be an interesting development were anything to happen on that. So, of course, we'll keep you posted on Grecian Talk when, as and when we hear any more on that. And uh, we'll move on now to our weekly League 2 roundup, starting... With Northampton 2, Port Vale nil, and a good win for the Cobblers, whose goalscorer Alex Nichols broke his leg in the process of scoring after a late challenge by Jamie McComb. And uh, Mark, are Northampton playoff contenders this year? Um, yeah, they've they've certainly shown uh, parts of that, haven't they? But like one minute they're losing four 0 to bottom of the league Barnet, and now they're beating top uh, second in the league Port Vale. So. Uh, it's it's really strange for them, really. Uh, I think if they were to be promotion contenders, they'd be one of the clubs that go on one of these amazing runs from sort of like January time um, and get consecutive wins. But um, it's it's very strange um, how they're pulling off some of these uh, results. But I suppose one of those physical sides, um, that's just what it's all about, really, because one week you're up against a skillful side in like Exeter and you could... Um, push them around but then the next minute you're up against uh, uh, another physical side but then you seem to um, lose out or whatever yeah I think calling extra a skillful side in the loosest sense of the word at the moment anyway but a slip up for <laughs> Port Vale will this be the uh, start of a blip for Vale Hans or do you think they'll stay up in the top two I think they'll stay up in the top two all things um, being equal um, one hopes that all the teams above us have a an extra or uh, Oxford-type um, plunge down the table. Um, not sure it's going to happen with Port Vale, but perhaps we can all hope as we um, hopefully turn our own fortunes around. Yeah, and, and uh, we'll look ahead to Saturday now. It's the first round of the FA Cup. It's Barry versus Exeter, and uh, it's a pretty dull draw, really. I was disappointed when I saw that it was Barry away. And uh, Hans, Titter's Cup record isn't great, and we lost at Barry in the Cup a couple of years ago. Where do you think the FA Cup should be in the list of priorities this season? I um, 
flip-flopping, I think, between the idea of let's put out a um, reserve team next week, just get out of the cup and get back onto the league and concentrate on that. But I think the other side of the coin is um, this could be quite a boost to us if we can um, have some success, get to the third round, get a big team, maybe even um, beat that big team and move into the fourth round. That means we get um, a lot of money. We're desperate for money at the moment to um, keep us going. A um, couple of um, big checks on the FA, you know, for uh, winning plus um, gate receipts and the like um, would be positive for um, for the team, for the club. Uh, winning is uh, always good. Um, losing is never good. Um, I, I, I think it's probably important at the moment that uh, we don't lose that Barry because that's just you know another defeat, another knocking the confidence of the team so I think Tisdale should be going out there to uh, to go all out for a win um, and I'd also say I think we need to win at Gig Lane um, and I think any replay would not um, be of that much interest to people like you just said and as we discussed on last week's show it was a hugely disappointing draw yeah and uh, but everyone everyone loves a good cut run really and uh, well the memorable one obviously a few years ago getting drawn at Old Trafford and uh, Perhaps dreaming of that again, Barry. Sorry, because Barry, our second bottom of League One. And uh, Ollie, do you think we can go there and spring an upset of sorts? Well, you'd like to think so, Paul. Um, Barry are in a pretty dire form, aren't they? Um, the only win they've had this season was against uh, bottom of the side Hartlepool. So, you know, they're not as in as good shape as they were when we played them in the cup. I think it was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? And so, yeah, you'd like to think we can bring an upset, definitely. And uh, as for the uh, team, Mark, what sort of team do you think we should put out? Is this a chance to give youngsters such as Dawson, Freer and Moore Taylor a chance to start? Uh, yeah, well, I think we need to rescue Curitan because uh, when I was listening to the radio commentary on Tuesday, uh, they said that Curitan, he was dead on his feet at the last minute of the game. And uh, it's a chance to look at younger talents. Uh, I think uh, Gao needs to be back in the side for this one. I think we need to put um, our, our general decent side out. Uh, but yeah, everyone's saying Gao is great when he comes on, but um, I'm questioning why we haven't scored when he uh, scored goals when he comes on. So I think it's a, a chance for him to get back, uh, play a full game hopefully. Um, but yeah, I think we need to rest Curitan, and yeah, it'd be good to see players like Dawson and Jordan Moore Taylor and Freer um, uh, chances to start. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Curitan needs to be rested. It's the main thing. Yeah, it could be a good chance for some youngsters to make an impression on the team and perhaps get a league start as well if they do well. And uh, we'll move on to the predictions for this game. So we'll start with you, Hans. Prediction for Saturday? Um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 Barry win. Um, the goal scored by Effie Sodger. He'll struggle to walk all the way up to the uh, other end of the pitch for the corners. We're going to have to wait 10 minutes for him to complete that. But once he gets there, he'll be there at the far post and no one will pick him up and he'll um, have, have two goals from uh, headers. Yeah, unfortunately that wouldn't surprise me at all at the moment. And um, Ollie, what about you for Saturday's prediction? Um, I think we'll lose 3-0 because we always seem to lose 3-0, don't we? Um, yeah, another 3-0 defeat. Um, nice and optimistic, as usual. <laughs> Mark, are you going to salvage any optimism? What's your shout for Saturday? Well, I did, I did enjoy the game uh, when we played, met, last met Barry at home, where we won 3-2. Uh, I really enjoyed that game. Uh, but I'm sorry, I'm gonna go for, I was going to go for 3-0 as well. Oh, uh, well, I'm fed up of all the doom and gloom. We'll end on a positive. It's going to be a 1-0 away win <laughs> with um, Guillaume Bowser on the score sheet. Let's, <laughs> let's go all out and that. So, um, yeah, and that comes to the end of this week's show. So thanks again to Mark, Ollie and Hans for joining me this week. And uh, we'll be back next week. So we hope you can join us then for more Grecian Talk.